0: Yo, it's the South Side's own Jonathan Hood, weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast deep into the night and a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field.
1: It goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left, angling 25, 20. Got a block for Rob. 50, 10, 5. Touchdown! 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 We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's gonna run it. And he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky to the 42-yard
2: line? Oh my goodness. In the ring. Steve Boat's got him up. A slam. But Blair inside 1-2. He made it. He got it.
0: Steve like Russell. And Blair has done it. Blair has done it. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
3: Good evening. This is Under the Hood, but no hoodie tonight. You are fortunate to have the presence of one dapper-looking Chris Black, fresh off of... A Sports Talk Live appearance with the Catman.
1: Oh, yeah. Sports Talk Live was just over there. It was a good time with Cappy and uh, Ozzy Ginn, and uh, we got some hot takes in, and uh, I'm ready to go. 7 to 10 tonight, in for Jonathan Hood. Let's do it. And that's Chris Black. I'm Jeff Meller, and we will uh, keep you company this evening. Lots of
3: football on the docket. Right around 7.30, we will talk with Patrick Finley, who has been covering the Bears all training camp long, so he will uh, give us an update on what he's seen so far. We'll talk with Kevin Cole of Pro Football Focus around in the 8 o'clock hour sometime. And uh, we'll touch base up north around nine ten with Jason Wildy. as we are just about a month away now. 30 days, Chris, count them, 30 days until the Bears and Packers kick off on the lakefront. The uh, 100th season
1: of Bears football. Yeah, and the Bull, uh, the Bears have a uh, game on Thursday that we're building towards. And that you're right, too. Jeff. Yes, as, yes, the you fake know, games, they start. The nice thing about this is uh, we look forward to that Bears-Packers game to start the season, is that once the preseason games get started this Thursday, we get to fall into a rhythm. And and what I mean by this is we all know what it is when it happens. The football weekly rhythm. Game talking after, breaking down said game, the couple of days of practice, building towards the next game, rinse, repeat throughout the entire fall into the winter. It's beautiful. It's a rhythm that I need in my life, in my football soul. And once we get to that first preseason game, we can kind of start building towards the rhythm of a football season in the fall uh, season itself. And I'm really excited for it looking forward to it.
3: Absolutely. But until we get to that first Thursday game and that football routine – we do have to deal with the uh, the preseason games that are upon us here. And while in years past, I've always anxiously looked forward to the first game that is the NFL season, or I'm sorry, the preseason, but I have to admit, over the last couple of years, in particular last year, the way Matt Nagy handled the lack of playing time for his starters, <clears throat> it has become a bit of. I don't want to say it's a nuisance because it is nice to have on as background noise in some ways, but it's very difficult to take anything we see now from preseason. It was always difficult, but even more so now it just feels like the new age approach from NFL head coaches is let's, let's, let's run through these games without any injuries. Let's do whatever we can to limit the exposure of our key players to hits and just make it through so that we can actually get to the games that matter. Without any critical injuries. And I think Matt Nagy has kind of, if he hasn't said it outright, he's kind of hinted at the fact that
1: don't expect to see any key players throughout the preseason this this year, if at all. You know, the one thing it reminds me of, Jeff, is this. Uh, Being from Chicago, I remember growing up in the 90s and in the early 2000s when the Taste of Chicago was a two-week event here in downtown Chicago. It was something that people really showed up to and and looked forward to as a a mark of the middle of the summer heading towards the 4th of July weekend. Now what we have here in Chicago is a toned-down version. It may still be a good version of the Taste of Chicago, but it's not what it used to be. And that's a lot what I feel like you're trying to say with preseason football is preseason football. You used to be able to gather a little something from it, just a little taste, maybe Mm -hmm. not everything, maybe not uh, the new schematics or or seeing the starters for all four games. But you used to get a little something. Now you don't. It's completely changed, and, and we do know in this day and age in the National Football League, it's not important whatsoever to start your starters at all or to do anything relevant in the preseason. It matters for the guys at the back of the roster fighting to, to make the team and fighting for their NFL careers. Outside of that, it means almost nothing. Now, I agree with you, Jeff. It is good to have on in the background. All football is good football. <laughs> There's no such thing as bad football. You want it on in on the TV, you want it on in the background. It's it's calming to have in your presence. But you really don't get anything from it. And 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 what you're looking at heading towards week 1 is you're still asking questions and looking for answers that are things that you cannot figure out during the preseason. And that's what we have in this day and age it's of the
3: National Football League. Well said. It's we're searching for answers and there will be no answers. No. There's no answer None. uh key there for us throughout these preseason games and anything we squint at and try and look for we'll just we're just we're just fooling ourselves at that point even the coaches will tell you too the most important thing to them during training camp is the practices the practices they run where they try and put their offense into a rhythm get their defenses used to seeing some live action from their offenses but the reality is What you're gonna see in in preseason is gonna be vanilla anyway, so just avoid injuries as much as possible. Matt Nagy spoke a little bit today about how the team motivates itself.
0: Literally not one time this whole camp, not one time in the periods have I had to say pick it up. Not one time. Yesterday would have been the one we tried to get them before practice, Uh, Eddie Jackson mentioned that in breaking down the team huddle a few days ago that coach hasn't had to say that, and he's right, and it's real. I mean, these guys, they lead themselves, they motivate themselves, and when you have that, um, you know, it it makes my job as a coach a lot easier and our other coaches.
3: Well, it's good to hear that because, again, they're not going to get any motivation from the game that happens on Thursday, the walkthrough, of course. You know what? The only thing we maybe can take from these preseason games is it all our eyes will be on the kicking competition because it's the next step, at least some actual game? I, you know, there's we'll be watching see do Are there either of these guys go bust?
1: Yeah, I you say all of the eyes. I think some eyes. I think some other eyes may be saying like I uh, that it doesn't matter. Uh, find a kicker for the opener and make sure that he's good. You know, like, like I don't need to watch each and every kick no, and I, chart these kicks. So, like, the one thing, like, well, will you tune in? Yeah, it's what we do. But I, I don't know if you can really gain too much, even in a, and you're right, if there's a crash and burn situation. That, that's, that's all I'm then, saying. But then that guy will just eliminate himself, and no the doubt. other will be the kicker. Now, what I'm still hoping for is that a team with two kickers Having a good competition and one of them gets caught here that has some veteran experience is the guy the Bears will go pick up for this season. I don't know who that guy might be, but I think there's a way that teams and kickers kind of work themselves into situations. And that's your solution for the Chicago Bears this season. There's been quite a bit of hype surrounding the
3: Baltimore Ravens kicking situation. Everybody knows that Justin Tucker who is undoubtedly the best kicker in football, has a lock on that position. But they have uh, Kari Vedvic in camp, who has a booming leg, and a lot of other teams may have their eye on. John Harbaugh actually has said publicly that the hope is that he kicks well in preseason, they believe they can trade him. So they're already right. thinking, the Ravens are thinking about, okay, who's going to make the best offer for our kicker on in camp? So maybe teams can take a look at that, but I'll say I will stand at attention a little more when the field goal kicking unit comes out. Really? I will. Are, I, are people really going to be pumped for that? I'm not going to be pumped. Well, I mean, like, like really cli- uh, cluing I will, in. I will, I will. For I will actually. Huh. All I, right. Because I, I, I can already see I will have the game on and it will turn into a bit of a slog because preseason games tend to do so and my attention will drift somewhere else whether that be on twitter whether that be an article that i happen to find interesting my attention will drift it will come back though when the field goal kickers head onto the field because and again it it's i don't i'm not going to be convinced based on what happens on thursday but it's the only real Activity that's going to happen that is going to really move me in any direction. And it can be, you know, that this kicker cannot be the guy if he crashes and burns in their first preseason game
1: you know the way i look at all of this is uh if college football teams can show up opening weekend and play a big opponent without a preseason game Mm -hmm. why do we even need the games now i understand the economics before before us right the the games are sold to make money right so they have to do it um but i think most fans would agree and say if we didn't have these four games We don't need extra games tacked on to the regular season. Just do away with these preseason games. You know, I think it's more beneficial for teams this week. We've seen SportsCenter live from uh, Lions camp where the Lions and the Patriots have been practicing together. I think things like that are more beneficial for teams where you can work and, and get some good work in against an opponent who's a little different than what you've been going against in your own camp. I think that's more beneficial than these preseason games, which are really just an elaborate waste of time for everyone. And And, and I know a lot of people say, eliminate two preseason games, give me the 18-game schedule. I'm not even asking for that. I don't need more football. I I actually will take less football in the form of this preseason. Just give me the sixteen I need for the regular season. I don't need the eighteen. I don't need the double buy. Any of that stuff. Just it is really a waste of time because when you're sitting around Jeff saying I have to wait to be excited for this kicking situation to actually pique my interest in a football game, that's the problem, right? No like doubt. Me, we have all spent too much time talking, breathing, and thinking about this kicker situation. I, I think they'll figure it out. Hopefully they'll move on. I like the way Nagy and Pace have treated this in camp. Mm-hmm. I like the rotating on and off days for the kickers. I like what they've done. I like how they've, they've told them exactly how they're going to handle it. And hopefully the best guy wins, and the Bears will be fine, and we don't have to address this again uh, this season. And, and hopefully uh, it will just be okay. But, but, like, that's the problem is that you have four of these preseason games, and really there's not a whole lot to watch for. No. Outside, unless you really want to get into the minutia of the roster uh, in the back-end depth of the roster and figuring out who's going to be your third cornerback, fourth cornerback, stuff like that, the the back-end depth no, items. No. But, like, outside of that, there really isn't a whole lot to watch outside of just having football on to have it on.
3: For sure. Uh, he's Chris Black. I'm Jeff Miller. 312 332 3776. Give us a call if you want to weigh in on how you will be watching the Bears preseason opener on Thursday night against the Panthers in a game where Cam Newton will not be on the field. Again, no surprise to most of us who have been covering the fo- football for as long as we have now. That's just the direction that we're trending in as uh, NFL observers. And yeah, there's, there, look, nobody is, I don't think there's anybody out there really clamoring for 18 games. It's the NFL's way of trying to sell. Okay, well, h- how do we keep the...
1: They want to make up for the revenue that will be lost from the the four preseason games that they currently uh, have. You know, I, I would say if you have to eliminate the preseason games and charge two of the regular season games double, I I would think most people would be okay with that. And
3: one man who will in all likelihood be unavailable for Thursday night's game is Trey, ba- Trey Burton, who has missed four consecutive practices. Matt Nagy talked about Trey Burton at camp so far.
0: Just making sure he's there for the other guys. You know, Bradley's learning a new position, Sol, so he can help him out in a lot of different ways. Watch a, watch a lot of tape. Um, and then when he's in there, you know, continuing to rehab back and get everything right, just keep working at it. Mentally, I'm not worried about him at all. Timing he had all year last year with Mitch, so we just want to make sure he's, he's really good come week one.
3: There's the hope. And just like we've been saying, he just wants him to be ready for game one, for week one. That's what matters. And Trey Burton has really become a critical piece on this team because there's no like-for-like replacement if he's not on the field. They don't have any player who's similar to him who can fill in in that U-tight end position that, is really, that really helps make the offense that Matt Nagy has go. You see it in Kansas City with Travis Kelsey. You see it in Philadelphia with Zach Ertz. That's exactly why they spent big money on Trey Burton is because Matt Nagy
1: knew it was critical to have a player like him. And they don't have a guy like him on the roster outside of Trey Burton. If you're not someone who's paying attention to this stuff, maybe as much as maybe we are. The one thing that I immediately think of is Trey Burton is basically your second best receiver. He's not a wide receiver. He's your tight end. But in this offense, like Jeff was just mentioning, if you look at the way Kansas City and Philadelphia run their offense, the tight end position is either the number one option or the second option on most plays, if not the safety valve for the young quarterbacks. You're looking at Mahomes and Carson Wentz. So for Mitch Trubisky, the tight end position is very important to this whole Bears offense being successful. And then we look at the other wide receivers, how much do you trust the other wide receivers that come up with big numbers? Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, you know what I'm saying? Like, like in this offense, the bear, the bears absolutely need Trey Burton to be a, a important piece. If not the second most important receiver, the third or fourth, right? He's going to be the second most yeah.
3: statistically outside of Allen Robinson. I don't know if any one player is going to put up big numbers. That's, no, but, but look at
1: the other two examples you gave. You gave the Eagles Kelsey and the and Chiefs, Earths. and both yeah. of those teams. Well over 100 prim- receptions right. for both guys. And that is a primary weapon on those two offenses. And In most situations, for both of those offenses, mm-hmm. the tight end is the number one receiver over a wide receiver himself, right? Like, like, that's how those offenses are ran, and that's exactly what we have here in Chicago. Yeah, and it, like, look,
3: Adam Shaheen, everybody's waiting on him to actually stay healthy. Good luck. And the reality is, even if he does, he's he really hasn't looked like a guy coming from a small school who was drafted highly. You were, I don't know about you, Chris, but I kind of thought we were going to get a physical freak because that's, <laughs> that's kind of the way he was sold when he was yeah. drafted is yeah, he, well. he might be from a small college, but the reality was, but he's going to athletically once he gets to this level, show off what he can do. And, you know, a guy from Ashland, just looks like a guy from Ashland so far since he's been in the NFL. Maybe a guy who you can throw a fade route to at the goal line, but honestly, there's not a whole lot of people throwing fade routes these days in the NFL. You'd like to spread them out and take your chances with a you know with a spread offense down there the goal line these days. And so I'm not sure what Adam Shaheen can do even when he is healthy. And then go, go to Ben Broniker. Ben Broniker, really? He's a special teams
1: player. Yeah. Bradley Soul, Hard pass. Hard pass. A, double, a, double hard pass. A converted tackle, Bradley Soul. Yeah, if this was uh, pass or not pass, uh, hard pass on that not pass there. So,
3: yeah, Trey Burton, really, the hope is that he can be healthy and for week one. Because if he's not, it really makes you wonder what is Matt Nagy going to do and draw up in his offense. Because it's going to change. Pretty dramatically if he doesn't have a guy like Trey Burton on the also
1: field. Also remember the trickeration and mm-hmm. the different options that Nagy can use individuals. I know it was a big story here in town last year when Trey Burton went to Nagy saying, I'm not comfortable throwing the football in a big spot, that Philly special play. I'm not comfortable doing that. Yeah, Switch he- me out. Still, on the field, he's an important piece, if not a decoy, an important piece to different-looking football plays that Nagy can implement. That's that's why it's all very interesting that this story has now become the number one story in Bears training camp because – you know, Let's be honest. We don't want to sit here and talk kickers any more than you want to listen to us talk about kickers. So let's talk about some real football players here and the number one story outside of Trubisky's development it's the Bears defense looking awesome. Trubisky's development and the fact that Trey Burton is still hurt even though they said they had he had surgery back in the offseason to fix this injury the sports hernia yet he's still not on the field. Four consecutive mispractices and we wait
3: to see when he will be back on the field for the Bears outside of that again it, Again, there's just, if you go through, because look, Allen Robinson, certainly he was the big money signing last offseason, but in some ways, when you look at the depth chart, which was released today by the Bears, when you look at the depth chart, you can see players on the roster who might be able to more adequately fill in for Allen Robinson. Guys like Javon Wims, who while unproven, you look at the physical skill set that he brings and you say to yourself, you know what? If Allen Robinson went down, Javon Wims given an opportunity might impress you. You look at guys like uh, you know, Anthony Miller, of course, everybody saw what he could do if he was given a bigger bigger opportunity and uh doesn't have to deal with as much issue with the shoulder injury, he can be a dynamic player. We know Taylor Gabriel can stretch the field while he he'll never step in for Allen Robinson, he can at least make plays. And you've got Riley Ridley, who they invested a fourth round pick in. So you've got plenty of wide receiver options who could theoretically step in for Allen Robinson and be productive, but without Trey Burton, it's just not on the roster right now and it's going to put a lot more burden on some of the other offensive skill players.
1: Now, here in Chicago, this has been uh, something that I've kept my eye on, on all of last season. Matt Nagy coming with this new age offense. It felt a lot like we were the one house in the neighborhood that had dial up internet while everyone else had Wi Fi. That's how it felt like with the offense in the modern NFL. And then finally, Matt Nagy shows up and we get Wi Fi, and it's like, oh, cool. Look at all this stuff we can do on the internet, right? So, like, <laughs> I get that people are very impressed by what the Nagy offense has brought to the Chicago Bears. Don't forget, though, last year they were 20th in yards per play, and in a playoff game, they only scored one touchdown. So, like, there is a lot of room for an improvement for this offense, not only from the play caller, not only from the players on the field and all the different positional players you just mentioned, Jeff. But it's not like this was a top 10 offense, top five elite offense in the National Football League last year. They need all of these players healthy moving forward because this team, this offense specifically, has a lot of room to grow. I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying last year people were very impressed because it looked like a modern-day offense. Yeah, you finally got Wi-Fi. Congrats. <laughs> we we all are, are happy Every- that we're in the modern NFL now. Now we need to see a good offense. Now we need to see them improve. And I think that's where if you don't have Trey Burton on the field for an extended period of time, that's going to be a problem because they're going to need him to improve the offense.
3: Absolutely. Mitchell Trubisky, his, uh, his growth is clearly going to be linked to Trey Burton being on the field. It will... Certainly, you know, expedites his growth if he can be on the field to help him as the the safety valve in the offense in a lot of ways. So we'll be watching to see what happens there. Coming up next, we're going to check in with Chicago Sun-Times' Patrick Finley, who's been Uh, covering the Bears. He's been down at Bourbonnais all camp long. And uh, we'll get his thoughts on the Trey Burton absence over the last four days. And also ask him his assessment of Mitchell Trubisky. During training camp because, you know, we can't go without asking a beat reporter about what they think about how Mitch Trubisky doing. You just can't when you're doing sports talk radio, Chris.
1: No, of course not. It, well, it, it's the top story, man. It, it's exactly what we need to pay year. attention to in this offseason and in training camp because a lot rides on the quarterback position, especially with this team with championship aspirations. He's Chris Black. I'm Jeff Meller filling in for
3: Jonathan Hood here on Under the Hood. It's ESPN, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
0: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Jeff
3: Meller along with Chris Black filling in this evening for Jonathan here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. And, of course, the Cubs hosting the Oakland Athletics over at Wrigley Field. Let's head there now to Jesse Rogers.
2: All right, guys. This could be a Dwayne Underwood night because John Lester's off to a rough start at an okay first. But here in the second, he's given up five hits, including a triple, three singles. And just now, Justin Garneau with a three-run home run. He's even given up a single to the opposing pitcher, former Cub, Brett Anderson. So four runs in the inning for the A's, and they're still batting with one out. And, of course, the Cubs' bullpen is depleted. Dwayne Underwood is the long man. That's why I mentioned him. He'd probably come in relief of Lester, who's probably going to have to wear a few innings no matter what the score is. But it's 4 nothing early here. Cubs had uh, one man on in the first, Chris Bryant, with a single, but uh, he was stranded. And now the A's with four runs and still batting here in the second. Back to
0: you guys. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We will check in with Jesse
3: throughout the evening and keep you abreast on the situation over at Wrigley. Could be a long night
1: there for Jess. Yeah. If we're talking Longman and uh, Lester having to wear a few innings... (laughs) All right. Dwayne Underwood, uh yeah, just recently called up
3: as uh as K- Craig Kimbrell was placed on the injured list. So there you go. And also if you missed the news today, uh Brandon Kinsler was sent to the IL as well and Pedro Strope was activated. So Cubs dealing with some arm issues right now.
1: Yeah, Clearly. it's a tough situation for the bullpen, and especially with this team in, in safe percentage, or 12th in the National League coming into tonight. So you know that they've struggled, and that's been the weak point of this roster uh, to this point in the season. Uh, But obviously, we'll keep our eye on the uh, Cubs and the A's uh, throughout the evening as we talk football. Of course. And let me just mention, too, the White Sox won the first
3: game of their doubleheader 5-3 against the Tigers. They currently trail 3-0 in the top of the fifth with uh, Hector Santiago on the mound. Dylan Cease pitched the first game, got the win. All right, Chris. So, out at Bears camp, Bourbon A. Governor J.B. Pritzker was out there today. Not sure if you saw that. No, I didn't.
1: Uh, what, what did he do? Apparently, he told Matt Nagy he expects the team to go 16-0 and and deliver a Super Bowl. Great. Uh, did Nagy uh, respond with balance to budget? Is that something he asked from the governor? That is probably... Does it go both ways, or does the governor just only ask for things from the head coach? That's a fair (laughs) follow-up question, and you know who might be able to answer that?
3: Let's see if Patrick Finley, who covers the Bears for the Chicago Sun-Times, you should definitely be following him if you're not. If you need your Bears information, he's at Patrick Finley on Twitter, and you can also get uh, some uh, humorous drawings every now and then about what went on in uh, Bears practice. Patrick. Fill us in. What's the latest? How uh, how did the uh, governor greet Matt Nagy, and what was his response?
2: <laughs> I don't think Nagy asked him for any favors quite yet, but uh, let's uh, cut him a break. He's only lived in Illinois for about a year and a half. Nagy will figure out Chicago politics here at some point. Uh, yeah, he uh, had, uh, Pritzker showed up toward the end of Bears practice, mingled in a couple of VIP tents, uh, pressed the flesh, and then went and told Nagy that he fully expects to go 16-0 and and go to the Super Bowl. So uh, Nagy laughed about it, made a little high-pitched squeal, and said something along the lines to us, at least, <laughs> of that being a pretty a pretty high ask uh, Pat- at this point.
1: Patrick, as uh, we sit here and Trey Burton missed a couple days down in uh, Bears training camp, how do you read this situation? Should Bears fans be more concerned that Burton may be out longer than we
2: expect? Uh, relatively speaking, they should be really concerned. Um, I don't advise freaking out about anything on August 6th or whatever it is today. You know, the Bears have got, what, a month uh, before they play any game that matters. But, you know, the fact is that Trey Burton has missed now Friday's practice, Saturday's practice. Uh, he's had a day off Sunday and missed practice Monday and Tuesday. Um, you know, nobody gives somebody four straight personal days uh, unless there's something wrong. And the Bears just didn't like the way he looked when he came back. From that groin surgery, uh, they're going to take it slow. Keeping in mind that, you know, they just need them to be ready for the Packers game. And you consider that Matt Maggie's not going to play many of his starters, if any of them, really, in the preseason. Um, I guess not too much is being missed here by Burton being out. But, yeah, it's cause for concern. And part of the reason it is is because Adam Shaheen's got a sore back and can't stop dropping passes in practice. And, you know, once you get past him – I mean, you're in Ben Gronacker land, uh, you know, converted tackle, gravity Sowell land. I mean, it gets pretty thin pretty quick.
3: Patrick, as you lay out there, so that, of course, it is thin. If uh, And, you know, counting on Shaheen, who has shown us nothing to this point, really, you know, in his first couple of years here with the Bears, uh, I don't know where they go, and it is a critical position. Now, it being the first preseason game, it. Look, even if he was completely healthy, it wouldn't have been a surprise if Trey Burton wasn't on the field at all, just the way Matt Nagy is approaching this, but what would be, what do you think the approach would be if he does miss any time into the regular season? Do you think Matt Nagy looks for, he tries to work in Shaheen into that U tight end position, or does he get a little more creative with his play calling in his formations, and do we see... More 11 personnel and more wide receivers on the field and less tight end action?
2: Probably both. Um, you know, keep in mind, if we're still talking about Trey Burton not practicing, you know, a month from now. The Bears are going to have some pretty big problems here. One that's not going to be fixed by any of the suggestions there. But, you know, if we know something about Maggie's play calling, it's that, you know, he is flexible, that, you know, there are Uh, you know, things he was able to do with the Chiefs that he really wasn't able to do with the Bears last year. For example, uh, you know, throwing to Kareem Hunt, uh, his every down back in Kansas City, he didn't really do that here. You know, he threw to Tree Cullins, sure, but Jordan Howard was the opposite of Kareem Hunt in terms of pass catching ability and versatility. Nagy found other ways to move the ball around. Um, I imagine he would do that if his tight ends were, uh, not what he had hoped, but, we got a long way to go between uh, then and now. You know they would lean on Shaheen, you'd think, but you know as you mentioned, he hasn't made it through a season healthy yet. You know last year was a wash because even when he came back, he wasn't himself because that injury was pretty gruesome. So you know to presume that we know what Shaheen is right now, I don't think anybody really knows what he is, and he's got to stay healthy. And not to get too long-winded on him here, but you know we had a couple of different assistants when we asked about him. You know, and the, you know the premise of the question is presuming he's healthy, you know, what do you expect out of Shaheen? And You know, both the tight ends coach and the offensive coordinator went out of their way to be like, hey, that's a pretty big presumption. Let's get him healthy first, and then we'll worry about the rest after that.
1: Patrick Finley from the Chicago Sun-Times covers the Chicago Bears uh, talking with Chris Black and Jeff Miller here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Patrick, if we take a look at the defensive side of the ball, outside of the superstars, Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, Roquan Smith, is there someone on the defensive side of the ball that you've kept your eye on here in camp that's impressed you, who isn't one of the top stars, someone that's impressed you here in camp?
2: Well, first of all, you got to put Akeem Hicks on that list. If not, yeah, sure, Akeem, Akeem or, Hicks, yeah, a yeah Akeem the usual
1: suspects, bad. yeah.
2: I know, I don't want him to get mad mad at me, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Belong Nichols, uh, you know, he was the defensive lineman. He was a rookie out of Delaware last year. He was really good. He forced two fumbles. He had three sacks. He only played something like 380-some-odd snaps, which was not a lot. You know, I expect his role to increase a little bit. And, you know, we all know that, you know, with Khalil Mack on the field, with Akeem Hicks on the field, with Eddie Goldman on the field, uh, you know, he'll get some nice one-on-one matchups, uh, you would presume. I- I've been watching him, you know, Buster screen. I think it's a really interesting case study. You bring in a guy who, you know, it, presuming he starts, you know, against Aaron Rodgers because the Bears are in nickel personnel, uh, he would, you know, be the starter on this defense with the most career start. He'd be the starter on this defense uh, who's the oldest uh, in terms of years. He's uh, also the smallest in terms of height and in terms of weight. Uh, they're bringing him in to replace Bryce Callahan. Uh, he's the anti-Callahan in the sense that he's been pretty healthy throughout his career. He's got that veteran while, but, you know, he does have the bugaboo of, uh, passing interference calls. And, you know, that's something that the Bears can ill afford to give up, as you guys know, because, you know, you got to make offenses earn it against this defense. Uh, cause that, you know, if you play the, if you play straight up, uh, the Bears talent on defense is going to win out more times than not.
3: Patrick, how did Mitchell Trubisky look at today's practice?
2: I thought it was his best day, um, which is both a compliment and not a compliment. You know, we're in practice number 10, and he's been getting beat by that defense uh, almost in every one. And I don't think there's any shame in that. Better quarterbacks than Mitch Trubisky were made to look pretty stupid by the Bears defense last year. But, you know, I think the story of the rest of camp is going to be trying to figure out. Where the Bears defense ends and the Mitch Trubisky's performance begins, uh, when you're looking at those matchups in practice. Uh, today he was sharp. You know, he, he's had really good command of the huddle a good command of his teammates this whole time, you know, regardless of whether he's still on interceptions or not. But today I, I was as impressed with him today as I've been since they started it.
1: Chris Black and Jeff Miller talking with Patrick Finley right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Prince of Mookamore was on with Cap yesterday, Patrick, and he said that mm-hmm. uh, David Montgomery reminded him of Saquon Barkley. Uh, he wasn't saying he was going to be <laughs> Saquon Barkley, but he said the way he runs reminds him of Saquon Barkley. What do you think of the rookie, uh, David Montgomery, here in camp?
2: I'm not sure I've seen a... More exciting running back with my own two eyes than Saquon Barkley. <laughs> so, oh yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, a little hesitant to make that comparison. Uh, he's interesting because he is both elusive and just an absolute wrecking ball when he wants to be. Uh, I think he averaged something like three point eight yards after contact at Iowa State last year. That's pretty amazing. He eluded more than a hundred tackles in each of his last two seasons at Ohio or at, at Iowa State. Nobody in the history of Pro Football Focus had ever done that once in college, much less. Much less twice in a row, so there's a reason to think he's going to be really dynamic. You know, now of course he's never been hit in the NFL, and to me that's going to be one of the interesting things to watch on Thursday. Is you know he's actually got guys trying to rip his head off now, and we haven't seen that in training camp. I think he's going to lead them in carries. I think he's going to be their starting running back for all intents and purposes, whether he's on the field, you know, for the first play or not. I think by the end of the year, we're going to think of him as you know the top guy at their position and. You know, if that's the case, I think he has a chance to be the, what, Offensive Rookie of the Year? I think that you you can make that argument pretty
3: easily. I I share your thought, Patrick, there. It seems everything is set up, and as long as David Montgomery doesn't really have any huge issues, it is set up for him to succeed. My question, my follow-up question there would be, look, he's got, uh, Matt Nagy has Tariq Cohen as well. They went out and signed Mike Davis. They drafted Montgomery. They did also signed Cordero Patterson who showed that he, he's best used actually as a runner out of the backfield in New England as well when he's not returning kicks and then oh yeah by the way you've got all the receivers who are going to need, need to get their touches do you think that somebody in the locker room is set up to be upset when they're not seeing as many touches as they'd like
2: if they are then they're probably in it for the wrong reasons. I think is the more accurate way to put it would be that as long as everybody is equally upset <laughs> that he's doing it right, uh, you know every running back on this team also would like to carry the ball 20 times. Guess what? Mike Davis has never done that in his career. Now I think something like in the second half of last season with the Seahawks, I think he carried the ball six times. So you know <laughs> to increase that to an every down back, I think isn't realistic for him. I don't think he thinks that he's going to get 20 carries a game. You now Cordero Patterson is going to be a gadget player. You know, in my mind, he's a receiver who's going to take a fly sweep or two, maybe run a gimmick play or two, but I don't consider him a running back. David Montgomery is somebody who would lean on heavily in college. I think they're going to lean heavily on him again. And Tariq Cohen is not – I mean, Tariq Cohen is a running back who catches passes. I don't think he's going to pitch in any sense if he's not taking, you know, a, a handoff on a dive play on second and two. So I don't think there's going to be a problem in terms of rushing and sharing the ball that way. You know, you mentioned the receivers. You know, maybe some of them will want the ball more, but anybody who's studied that Nagy's offense knows that that's not what he does. He moves the ball around, and you know, Mitch Trubisky is a better point guard uh, than he is a Tom Brady type. I mean, he's not a superstar quarterback, but he could be a pretty good point guard with all these weapons, and I think that's what the past game is going to look like.
1: We can't let you go, Patrick, without asking about uh, Chicago's favorite top uh, storyline, this uh, training camp, which is the kicker situation. How will they approach the preseason game on Thursday with these two kickers?
2: Uh, both of them will kick. <laughs> That's kind of all we've got for you right now. Uh, whether they distribute it by quarter or by score, you know, whether they just and go, you're going to kick the extra point after this touchdown, you're going to do it uh, off the next one. I don't know. It was interesting in practice today. Neither of them kicked, <laughs> which is something that hasn't happened before. Uh, they both kicked yesterday, and uh, neither of them did anything today. Maggie said that he wanted them to rest their legs for Thursday. Although, you know, I'm just a sports writer here, but you know, they they do have all tomorrow and most of Thursday off. I, I, I don't know why you need to rest their legs the third day. Or you know, third day there. Uh, my guess right now is that I think Pinero's is ahead. You know, uh, is it's close, but Pinero seems to have the bigger foot. might be a little less consistent than Elliot Fry thus far, but I think the Bears might be able to live with that. Still, if you had to ask me who's going to be their kicker in week one, and you know, I still might pick the field. I just think that it's so difficult for one of these two guys to be perfect all through training camp and then still be more attractive than the best kicker cut on cut net. And I, I think if I had to bet right now, I'd probably take the best kicker cut on that day over so either of these two guys. They've got four four weeks to prove everybody wrong. They've got four weeks to make themselves indispensable. but I don't think we're there yet with
3: them. Patrick, there's no other Bears reporter I'd rather play Pictionary with than you. We will be <laughs> following you on Twitter and reading you in the Sun-Times. Thanks for hopping on tonight.
2: Hey, anytime. Have a good night, guys.
3: Thanks, Patrick. Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times. Again, follow him on Twitter at Patrick Finley.
1: You know, we're talking about David Montgomery as a possible rookie of the year option uh, for people. If you take a look at the odds right now, I found an article that had the odds. Number one for best odds to win rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, would be Kyler Murray from the Cardinals at plus 150. Dwayne Haskins is number two, the Redskins rookie quarterback at uh, plus 700. Josh Jacobs is third from the Raiders, Mm -hmm. the running back uh, from Alabama, is plus 800 and David Montgomery is fourth plus 1600 from the Chicago Bears those are some pretty solid odds especially when you consider what we just talked about with Patrick Finley everything
3: that happens if you look at the Chiefs offense and how successful Kareem Hunt was there in his rookie season while Matt Nagy was there I could easily see David Montgomery getting in a rhythm and easily running away with this as long as Kyler Murray doesn't Go bananas in Arizona, because if he does, of course, he's a quarterback. And, and
1: so. to me, you have to look at quarterbacks and running backs for offensive rookie of the year. How sure. often do you see a wide receiver win it? And especially because if wow. you look at the top 10 picks from last year's draft, you know, TJ Hockerson was drafted eighth by the Lions, a tight end. Like dude, dude, wide, a tight wide receivers? And tight ends are notoriously slow starters in the NFL. The first year frequently is not a good uh, statistical year for them. So if you go through the draft from last year, first-round draft picks, Kyler Murray's there. Daniel Jones, quarterback taken six by the Giants, he's not going to start the start of the season. So he's probably not going to play enough games to win rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. Then you bounce down to T.J. Hockerson, tight end. He's probably not going to win it. You go even farther, that's where you find Dwayne Haskins uh 15th overall, and then you continue to move down towards uh Noah Fant, tight end for Denver. Uh running back Josh Jacobs from Oakland. We named yeah. him. He's he's well, probably you know what? the one non-quarterback first rounder who has yeah, a shot. shot.
3: Yeah, we'll actually probably get to know Josh Jacobs a little bit better tonight as uh, HBO debuts hard knocks and the Raiders later tonight. You hot so, and heavy for this? I don't know if I'm hot and heavy, but uh I DVR'd it, so I'll 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 take a watch and kind of See how it goes. You know, there's usually if how are the ratings for Hard
1: Knocks? Good. You
3: you know what? I'm not sure because. HBO is very elusive in terms yep. of how they, re- you know, release their ratings information.
1: Well, it, it's elusive on how they release their ratings information. It's also a uh, entity that not everyone has access. to. No doubt, to. absolutely. And, and so, like, I always find it funny when football season rolls around and uh, people in front of microphones have all this time to talk, and all they talk about is Hard Knocks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, half the people haven't seen it, and and the other half are waiting to watch it when it's all like replayed. Yeah,
3: no, and but I'll tell you what. Over the last few years. With social media and video clips being floated out there, what I'll say is you can consume it in bite-sized morsels, and a lot of times that's probably the best way to do so. You get the whatever the gist of the info that you wanted and need that everybody's talking about and then you move on the next day.
1: Now, it's not a anti-Hard Knocks take because I'm the one that will sit and watch uh, A Football Life all day long. Oh, dude. On a weekend, I've like got, a Saturday, I'll watch like I'm, six of them in a row or the football stories where they chronicle a, football, a championship season. Like, I'll watch all of those. I so, like, I'll watch Hard Knocks. It's just to break it down each and every week. And I literally have over a hundred episodes <laughs>
3: of... I'm, I'm not kidding you. What are you saving them for? I'm not saving them. What I do is I they're all, like... Pretty much every season, I I don't know if they're on like season 10 now, season 9 maybe, but literally every episode is saved on my DVR so that if I ever get bored and just want to toss something on, (laughs) it's there and ready to go. No kidding. I I will. Uh, I'll tweet out a photo of my DVR later on this evening when I get home. I will say
1: they. At sometimes you catch an episode and you're like, that guy really? He he deserves, oh. he gets a football life? No, really? like I, like I thought he was like I, Hall I think of Fame caliber guy. No, and it's, sometimes, it's about
3: 33 percent of the time. It's kind of like, look, he was a good player. Like, really? Did he really need a football really? life? Really? This guy,
1: this guy got a football life.
3: Yeah. Really? No, there's no question about that. He's Chris Black. I'm Jeff Meller, and uh, coming up next,
1: like Carson Palmer, we need a football life for Carson palmer I'm, i love i am a usc fan he, he won a heisman for sc but really he gets a football life brandon marshall brandon what? marshall yeah i mean i mean he had yeah. a couple nice years as a wide receiver but eddie really? george was nice brandon but marshall never eddie made george? the playoffs in his career eddie george a football life eddie really? george more so than yeah, i mean he was good at ohio state yeah he was good he's good for the titans for a minute right um, Uh football he, life here we go you want to know that, they, that they, I'm looking at the list? He is between Larry Fitzgerald in season seven and Joe Gibbs. So it went episode seven was Larry Fitzgerald, oh, there's, episode eight, Eddie George, and then Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs and Larry Fitzgerald, you both deserve a football life. I'm not sure if Eddie George does.
3: Look, they came within one yard of winning the Super Bowl, Chris, that Titans team.
1: <laughs> I, I know. I, uh, I'm aware.
3: Ah, uh, um,. He's Chris Black. I'm Jeff Meller. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on ESPN 1000.